Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. You've arrived at EDM3, Eating Disorder Myths, Myths, and Marvels. Join us as we explore what is inspiring, confusing, and misled about the ED recovery path. Visit us at eatingdisorderm3.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm your host, Kais Rohde McHale. I'm a licensed independent therapist working out of the Whole Institute in Cleveland, Ohio. I have over 20 years experience in the mental health field and over seven years specializing in disordered eating. Today's topic is ED in college, transitioning to and sustaining in higher education settings. My guest is ZK. A, are you 21? 20. A 22-year-old, soon-to-be bachelor's degree graduate who's headed to graduate school, so we can explore two transitions. ZK has had a complicated history of family disruption, trauma, disordered eating, and anxiety. In launching this podcast, she was the first person that I thought of. Her recovery story is inspiring, but not without its challenges. And she's found this coveted destination of sustained recovery. I love the way that sounds. So welcome to my very first podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're figuring it out together, right? (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to jump right to it because you and I have already been chatting and we came up with some good ideas. You have two transitions. You had the first one to college the first time. And now you're transitioning to graduate school. Can you share a little bit of how it's different, these two experiences? Well, I think... For one, I'm a lot farther in recovery now going into graduate school. I've definitely come into my own. I feel a lot more confident in myself going through this transition. And when I transitioned into undergrad for the first time, I came from a semester of community college and then a semester of commuting to college. So I kind of had a year under my belt during the first year of my recovery. So I went my sophomore year And it was still pretty difficult because I was very fresh in recovery still. So what was different then? You were thinking more about that. Yes. So definitely transitioning into undergrad, it was very difficult because I didn't have as much hovering, I would say, because living at home, I had my mom who would eat with me. She would encourage me to eat. She would be asking me questions throughout the day. And when I went to undergrad, I had an apartment by myself. I really didn't have any accountability in person, and that was something that I definitely struggled with. 
But it was something that I was confident enough in myself to be able to do that transition. That was my goal during my first year of recovery was to be able to move out by myself. Well, and you made a good point that you prepared for it. And along your whole process, you've always done the work. Mm -hmm. So you prepared with me, we talked about it, I know you put steps in. Right, exactly. I feel like a lot of work went in before you started. Yeah, I definitely when I was up in Kent. Can I say that? Yeah. Kent? Okay. When <laughs> you I can was say that. <laughs> when I was up in Kent for the year before I actually moved onto campus, I really became acquainted with the campus. Grocery shops was something that I really had to become familiar with. And also before I moved out, I was trying to learn how to cook for myself. I was trying to learn how to be more accountable to myself without having to rely so much on outside help. And you mentioned the grocery store, which can be very overwhelming in recovery yes. and making decisions. Some people even just walking in. Right. Did you go ahead of time? Did you check out where things were before you even moved? Yes. I actually found three grocery stores surrounding my area. And I walked in and I just walked around the grocery store, which sounds something really silly if you aren't in recovery, but it can definitely be a daunting task. There was the same grocery store that I had back home. So I was already familiar with everything that they had in the store. And that was something that really helped me when I transitioned. And before my mom left, when she moved me in, she actually did my first grocery shop with me. So that was really special. <laughs> I love that. So that you get that comfort at least the first time. Yes, exactly. And your mom's awesome. Little note. You did something, because this is myths, myths, and marvels, right? Mm -hmm. You did something kind of marvelous and surprising. You went into a little while with the Greek world there. Yes. Like out of your comfort zone completely to the point where your therapist was like, um. Yeah. It was helpful in an instance of just confidence because I really had an extremely low self-esteem. And when I went through all of the rounds, I had to talk to a lot of girls and I had a lot of positive feedback from everybody that I talked to. They were like, you're so easy to talk to. I would be like, just so nervous. I'm sorry if I stutter over my words. And they'd be like, I would have never guessed you had anxiety. Like you're so really easy to talk to and get to know. So that was like really encouraging. That was a positive thing for me. But also with Greek life comes a lot of partying for sure. Shh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's a whole house of girls living together. And I didn't live in the house, but with all of that, there comes a lot of negative self-talk, which is mm -hmm. something that I saw a lot. And it can be, it can come off as like self-deprecating humor, but you know, that's kind of what they really think about themselves. And also there'd be a lot of discussions about just really crazy eating habits and a lot of things that I have been trying to overcome myself. And I saw, because I was a year removed from these really horrible habits that I had of my own, I could really see like how damaging the culture was of just being a young woman living in America, going to college, living in high school. We have all of these ideas and they were just repeating all of these things that I had to overcome myself. There's definitely a period where I felt embarrassed because I would have to say like, oh, I have to eat at this time or if I went out to eat with one of the girls, I would be eating and maybe they wouldn't be because they didn't want to eat before they went out to party. So that so there would be a lot of times where I would be kind of the only one eating in situations like this because I had to 
to make sure that I stayed in recovery, but also there was a sense of pride that I knew better and that I followed everybody's guidance, my dietitian and my counselor, and I stayed true to myself. So it was it was difficult because you're being met with all of these outside circumstances that I wasn't met with when I lived at home. You get implanted into college culture and you're bombarded with all of these things. I remember us talking a lot then Mm -hmm. because you were trying to make sense of, is this the right setting for me? Yes. And in some ways you were like, I'm out of my zone. I'm free. I'm challenging myself. But on other ends, you're like, do I need this? Right. To solve that kind of conundrum, what did you end up doing? Well, about three months after I joined the sorority, I did end up dropping it. And that was just honestly a weight lifted off my shoulders. I didn't feel really like I fit in. There's a certain maturity level that you have to have when you're going through recovery. And there's a certain type of self-care that you have to go through in recovery. And I knew that in order to maintain all of the progress that I had made, I had to make this decision and distance myself from outside influences that weren't negative yet and I think that's a really big thing is Mm -hmm. that sometimes you think you need to make boundaries once it gets to the point of negatively impacting you but if you can see it going down the line of eventually this could be harmful to me you don't need to wait until it actually is harmful to make that decision so this goes back to being mindful Mm -hmm. and knowing that this is starting to build and maybe exactly good yeah I also recall that you felt really comfortable once you made that decision. Yes. You were like, yep, that was good. Glad I did it. Done. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's built into that is it's always okay to say, I'm going to change my mind for what's best for me. Yeah. And one thing that I learned in recovery is just having confidence in myself to make a decision. Wait, I have to clap. Because that's a big one. That's a big <laughs> Because one. I didn't have confidence in any decisions really that I made beforehand. And that was like one of the biggest decisions that I made. And you made that one. No one made that for you. Yes. Of course, no one makes decisions for you. You've always been very independent, strong-willed, to the point where I sit there and nod my head. Yeah. You're you're right. Good. Good job. You've got it. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Feeling stress or anxiety? Then try out Brain Freeze. Chill the mind, train the brain, and reduce anxiety. Brain Freeze is a multimedia skill tool for anxiety and stress management. Find us on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Brain Freeze. Welcome back to EDM3. We are talking with ZK and her story about college. And now we're getting to the MIFF, the M-I-F-F. I have to say that because I think when you say it, people can't tell what you're saying. <laughs> and these are the things that are still confusing or screwed up or we don't know what to do. What is a myth that you've been dealing with and how have you been trying to resolve it? One of the biggest myths for me is definitely when I get stressed out or I'm feeling a heightened sense of insecurity or unknowingness about something like, for example, going to graduate school, I definitely fall back on wanting to have comfort. And for me, my eating disorder provided me a lot of comfort and it was definitely a coping skill. And something that happens when I get stressed out is that I lose my hunger cues, which is Mm -hmm. also a really difficult thing to deal with in recovery. So for me, I really just went back onto my eating plan that I had originally 
you know, four years ago, I still keep it around and I reach out to people. That's one of the biggest things is I can sometimes feel embarrassed when I need to reach out for help because I think sometimes it's like I've been doing so well. I was doing so well for like six months. Why am I struggling with eating now or why do I feel uncertain now? I think one of the biggest things is that I reached back out to Kais during my... That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I reached back out to Kais and told her that I was struggling. I reached out to my mom and for that that, that just provides me a little bit more accountability. And that's another part of recovery is that you don't need to feel shame or embarrassment when you're struggling, even if you've done so well for a year or five or 10. Sometimes things just come up. And that's a great myth because I hear this a lot. And I hear it from parents. I hear it from clients is, you know, why? Why do I still have this thought? Mm-hmm. I did the work. I shouldn't still be thinking this way. And getting angry. I think you remember that emotion. Yes. I would get so frustrated at myself. I'd be like, I am doing everything right. I'm just not feeling hungry right now. So how does that make any sense? But it doesn't It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're falling back. A really big thing that I was always so worried about and still am worried about is relapsing. And I would always be like, Kais, I'm so scared that the stress is going to make me relapse. And you would say, well... As long as you're eating, you're not going to relapse. And maybe that's an internal myth that persons with eating disorders think about is if I start to regress, Mm -hmm. I'm going all the way back. Yeah. I don't see that happen. I think every time you had a moment like you described, you were stronger. You had better skills. It was shorter, quicker. Yes, exactly. All of the progress that I made is still valid and it's still there. It doesn't get erased just because I have a week or a month of a hiccup. During these hiccups, like I wanted to call them because I wanted to make it less of a big deal in my brain, I would always bounce back a lot quicker and I would just essentially pick up where I left off. So that's something really encouraging. You're not going into it the same person you were when you started recovery. You're going into it stronger. But you have to do the work. You have to do the work. Because you don't stop doing the work. You did it to get here and you keep doing it. Yeah. And that'll be a whole nother podcast, right? (laughs) Yes. Great myth, by the way. I thought that was perfect. I kind of threw these out to you and my other guests and said, come up with something. Yeah. Because why should I be brilliant when you're brilliant already? (laughs) What is a myth? What is bull? What is something that you're done hearing and you're over? (laughs) A huge thing during recovery process with anybody that's recovering from anything is that you have to want to do it. That's just untrue. It's a choice. It's not always something that you want to do. There have been times where I would just come in and say, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at my body. I just want to ignore it. I'm over this. I would always say like, I'm overeating whenever I would talk about recovery. Even though I was over it, I still chose to continue because I knew that was the right decision. Recovery is a choice that you make every single day. Just because you started recovery doesn't mean that you don't choose it still. (laughs) That was like, give me little shivers down my back the way you said that. Um, Yes, agree 100%. There's nothing I could add to that to make that better. It was perfect. You are a bit of a marvel. I've told you that (laughs) since, since I've met you. Um, years into this, are there a couple things that you would say stand out that have been what have made this valuable, something you're proud of, something that worked well? First thing is that I was willing to be vulnerable and I was willing to open up all of the things that I had been dealing with for such a long time. I was willing to make myself uncomfortable because recovery is one of the most uncomfortable 
things I've ever done in my entire life. Like I said earlier, with my eating disorder, it provided me a lot of comfort. The things that I would be talking about during my sessions before I would have used my eating disorder to help me feel more comfortable during these times. And now I couldn't. Now I had to kind of just go through it and find other things that brought me comfort along the way. And another thing that I think made this process sustainable for me is that I was willing to buy into things. And by that, I mean, sometimes coping skills sound stupid. They just sound dumb. (laughs) And you're like, I don't know how this is going to help me. I'm struggling with this. I don't know how this correlates to it all. And I would still do it. Kais would give me some things to do and I would try them out. Sometimes I felt like an idiot while doing them because some of the coping skills look really silly, especially the physical acts. <laughs> and I would I would just do it because I was really at such a low point. I don't give a shit. I will do anything to not feel like this. That's like one of the biggest things is to buy into things. Even like before I would eat, I would run ice along my neck and be like, oh, this ice is going to help me eat better. This ice is going to help me not feel like I'm choking on my food and it would it would help me because you just have to play the games with your brain because your brain plays a lot of games on you you just kind of have to play the game back this is a great place for me to plug the other podcast (laughs) which is brain freeze which talks about some of these ridiculous skills right what we're getting at is your marvel is your willingness that's the big one one quick comment that might set you out from a lot of people that have been through this is you did not do higher level of care yeah. That I know of. You did yes. not do residential Mm-mm. or PHP, IOP. Granted, you have a pretty strong network around you. Mm-hmm. You did all this on your own. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. With us kind of coaching in the background. Yes. That's pretty marvelous. Yes. Um, okay, two more quick things, and then we'll let you get on with your fabulous life. Really quickly, you had mentioned something you did to make your second college transition smoother. And we were chatting about it before the session. Can you just chat about that really quickly? Because yeah. it was cool. I prepared for, I'm going to a new city for graduate school. I have never lived there before. I don't know anybody there. My family lives in Ohio. I'm going to be moving to Pennsylvania. I was really nervous. That was something that caused a lot of stress for me. When I was in recovery, something that I really hold on to is routine because that's kind of what helps me get through my harder days. And my routine that I have established has been pretty consistent for three years. And now it's going to be flipped on its head <laughs> and I'm going to be farther away from home. And my my family is a really big support system for me. So I started picking out my apartment very soon. As soon as I got admitted into the school, I knew I needed to become more comfortable with my new city. So I already had visited it four times because I knew I just wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to know what was up. I wanted to know the places that were there. I wanted to know the feel of the people that were there. I'm going to be moving into my apartment like five months from now. Also, having that under my belt was really something that I can become comfortable with. And I also started walking around the apartment building that I'm going to be living at because one of my coping skills is walking, just getting fresh air and making sure that where I'm going to be is going to feel very safe because that's another thing that I always looked for in my disorder was safety. And now I'm I'm safe in myself without it. And that feels very marvelous. 
Ooh, <laughs> I love that you just did that. <laughs> so you found a way to make this college transition comfortable. Yeah. We'll be right back. We're going to wrap up with a couple of fun questions. For more support and resources, go to NIDA, National Eating Disorders Association. They can be found at nationaleatingdisorders.org. Okay, we're back at EDM3, and we have two quick questions for our fabulous guest, who's marvelous, ZK. The first one is, what is one thing you would share about your recovery with an upcoming college student? You have to care about yourself more than everybody else, which is something that might feel a little selfish, but during this process, you really have to put your feelings and your emotions and your wellness above everything else, even if that means school sometimes. It's a beautiful selfishness. And I say that word like it's a wonderful word. What is one word or a hyphenated word <laughs> <laughs> to describe your recovery story? Well, I told Kais, I can't think of one word. The one thing that came to my mind, we can hyphenate it, is worth it. I like that. Not more needs to be said. Well, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing a story that I've been wanting to make bigger for other people to hear since the moment I met you, where, by the way, we ended up on the floor of my office that first time we met. Yeah, yes, yeah. we we'll, did. We'll, we'll be adding that to, to the brain freeze story because that's a whole nother discussion. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for having me and for helping me. Well, thank you. I didn't have to do very much. Thank you for exploring today with EDM3. We hope you join us again or visorder m 3com